Mommy Milkers. Double kill. They need to hire me after that guy fucking croaks. Yeah. Have you ever seen that guy in reality? If, uh, dear listener, you have not seen the guy who does the Halo voice in reality, Google him. He is harrowing. <laughs> he looks like the Penguin's grandfather. He is uh, he's a legend for sure, but my God, he's rough on the eyes. Um, Google it. I'd love to see just like the life trajectory via like film school or acting school and all the auditions to be an on-camera personality that then became a voice personality and then ends up doing the voice of the clickers in fucking <laughs> Last of Us, that girl, that woman. Talk about career trajectory right there. Harrowing. What what movie are we doing first, Dan? Uh, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, directed by Steven Spielberg. Okay. Um, and I guess that's a good segue to <laughs> the episode. I, I, I didn't mean it. Ten out of ten, ET. <laughs> um, today's episode is called "Dan Enden Has Not Seen ET." Um, this is a um, episode. Uh, how old are you, Dan? I'm thirty-two. Thirty-two years in the making. Yeah. Um, put that on the poster, Spielberg. You hack. Yeah. So cats. For a long time, been pretty shook by the fact that I haven't seen ET. Everyone should be. Um, and you should be. I got. I, <laughs> I. I have a clear memory of um, not preschool, but like in kindergarten. Did you have half days for kindergarten? I oh. don't fucking remember. Okay, so we only had ha like half days. I was in PM class of kindergarten, and then my parents worked after, so I went to aftercare after school okay that sounds vaguely familiar but it was at like a church a town over right um and <laughs> this is like the most glaring earliest childhood existence of me becoming how i am mm -hmm. that i can remember i can't i walked in and they were in the middle of the movie et because a lot of kids got there well before me because i traveled from another town you know uh-huh um and I distinctly spent the entire evening at after school sitting in the corner playing with shit alone away from the screen because even at that age, I was like, I'm not going to watch a movie from the middle. <laughs> that does sound like a childhood Dan Enden. Yeah, so and, I and also subtly explains why you haven't seen E.T. Mm -hmm. Because it just sounds very joyless. <laughs> I mean, at the time, I was like, oh, I'd like to see E.T., Uh huh. therefore I'm not going to ruin it by watching it from the middle. You were also like, I, I don't want to do the director's cut, tw the, the 2002 version. I, I need to do the original 80s print in Laserdisc. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably what young Dan Enden would have said. Dude, my my like best friend as a kid, his fucking dad had a Laserdisc player. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, dude. The first time I saw Laserdisc, I geeked out. Yeah, same. 
Do you know what the first one you watched was? Aliens. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Mine was The Mask. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I've always thought about um, going around to collect laser discs because I love the packaging so much and have a few in my collection just for fun. Do you? I uh, do not, but I feel like I still want to do that. Maybe at least get aliens and then move on from there. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. I look at the price of Laserdisc players on the internet all the time. Like, Please. I, I want one so bad, but the, it's really hard to get the Laserdiscs. Yeah, I'm sure they're very expensive It's and like rare. That's a, another collecting hobby that I just can't go into. I probably shouldn't. Like, I already into. have records, which are the same size, taking up all of right. my space. And just as archaic and worthless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about E.T., which is a Steven Spielberg film. Um, I have seen E.T. less than something like Star Wars, but probably still in the 40 to 60-ish range of completion. Um, when the movie was re-released, which we will absolutely be talking about some point here. Didn't but, even know that was a thing. Uh, when the movie was re-released uh, with all of its redone special effects and changes, which we will... Is that what happened? Also get into. Um, oh my god. Uh, this is I, about to fuck me up. I went and saw it in theaters. Um, People listening are like, how do you know nothing about E.T.? <laughs> <laughs> no, these are some deep cuts on E.T. Not everybody knows everything about E.T. Like... For example, E.T. was an interesting um, an interesting marketing experiment um, with home video release where Steven Spielberg wanted E.T. to not be so much a film as a like family experience for like future generations, kind of like Star Wars. Okay. But like there's no franchise for E.T., so I don't think it ever really went there, even though, I mean, E.T. himself is one of the most recognizable properties just ever. Um, but... That Steven Spielberg had quite a run, huh? E.T., yeah, he did. Um, E.T. was at the height of really one of his biggest runs, um, which we'll get into. But the thing that is interesting about E.T. from a home video market perspective and kind of Laserdisc, all the things we were just talking about, is that Spielberg held it from the public uh, while other movies were coming out on tape, essentially. He kept making sure that E.T. was inaccessible um, over and over again. Really? And he held it from being released into the home video market multiple times so that people would clamor to see it in theaters and for re-releases, things like that. Um, Which makes sense now of why they'd be so, like, excitedly showing it at, like, my aftercare. Sure. At, in, at right around then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, E.T. was really meant to be a defining family picture uh, of all time, which I think it's mostly fulfilled that prophecy. Um, but the buzz around it was crazy. I mean, I mean, most of my <laughs> life, I thought that it came out in the early 90s. Oh, absolutely not. No, it's way older than that. I know. I was shook to discover. Um, E.T. is a quintessential um, post 70s rural. I mean, this is why all Stranger Things and everything is based on E.T. Because uh, you know, just like E.T. starts this with... This movie's not rural, dude. They're like in suburban fucking hell. I'm sorry, suburban. Um, and... Um, How dare you? Uh, the suburban... Insult my rural brothers. The suburban crawl is really like the background character of this whole movie. And also a Divorce Crazy is the second background character yeah. of this movie. Um, but um, this movie in particular... Um, was pitched as this, you know, genre-defining, just momentous moment for everyone. Michael Jackson recorded the audiobook. <laughs> um, Wait, dude, quick aside. Um, have you seen this clip of uh, us watching John Oliver? And they presented it as, like, 
the most like awkward clip with retrospect that you can imagine and it's fucking bill clinton like on stage celebrating that he's fucking that he's won the election there's balloons and streamers everywhere monica then it cuts back and monica lewinsky's on stage also in the back and then bill clinton goes into the microphone you expect he's about to say something inspirational and he's like we did it and i'm gonna bring out my friend kevin spacey Oh my fucking god. Dude, so you're just on screen. It's Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton, and Kevin Sp- Spacey. Hillary's in the back waving, dude. Spacey what a and Clinton are just hugging it out, dude. Awesome, dude. D- dude, great clip. I recommend everyone uh, check out Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO Please Max. don't. <laughs> Please don't plug other things on this show. Clinton was like, oh, I'm about to bust. Um, Literally. Um, so is Kevin Spacey. And... Um, yeah, so Michael Jackson audiobook. Uh, it like won a Grammy, I think, at the time. Um, it was uh, made Grammys for audiobooks. I- I'm gonna include a fucking clip of it in here. It's so incredible. It's not a normal audiobook. It's basically like the sound effects from the movie, like radio play style, but Michael Jackson screaming out all the directions and dialogue of all the characters. It is. <laughs> oh my god. It's a one man show. It is fucking insane. Um, and lots of kids in their like bedrooms had. <laughs> I hate, I hate the way this sentence started. Had posters of Michael Jackson hugging E.T., which came with the audiobook. Hate that. E.T. crawled from the bushes. We all know curiosity killed the cat. But he was too old to change now. He put the little round object in his mouth. It was delicious. The tastiest thing he'd ever eaten in the whole universe. I couldn't have imagined it. Elliot had a hunch that this might be the night. So he waited outside in an old chair. And sure enough, this strange creature appeared. Someone from another world. Elliot's heart almost stopped. He was just as scared as Elliot, but he had to hang in there. After all, he had to eat. He had to live. So he followed Elliot with the candy into the house and up the stairs. We all know, I'm not sure, Dan, if you don't know this, I am would be fucking shocked, but we all know that uh, historically, E.T. ended and almost ended video games forever. That was a huge oh, yeah, yeah. moment in I time. Play, I played that game. Um, there is a time in which... I'm very... That's my... I know more about that game than I know about anything related to E.T. the movie. Right. I mean, and as a quick aside, uh, E.T. was turned into an Atari game at kind of the end of the Atari's life cycle, uh, unknowingly. And uh, it was so poorly received. They made the designer make it in like a couple days. It was so poorly received that... Um, they pulled it from market and ended up burying it, uh, all copies of it, in a giant hole in the desert, yeah. um, which has been exhumed have and you documentaries seen, have been made. Have of, you seen of the, the documentary about that? Yeah, oh, it's fine. I it's loved it, dude. Stretching of what I just did out to an hour and a half. Dude, they're um, digging in the fucking ground looking for ET. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a bunch of dudes in the middle of the desert digging, looking for a pile of ET tapes. Dude. Um, and it was in fact that moment that almost crushed the video game market so badly that it never recovered. And there was like an alternate timeline in which. E.T. the Atari game ruined video games forever. Does that not also summarize me in that I never saw E.T., but I saw a two-hour documentary about people looking for an E.T. 100%. (laughs) That is your autism in beautiful display. (laughs) Um, And, um, yeah, that that was a huge moment in time. Um, We could live in a world now where instead of playing a transphobic Harry Potter video game, we would be playing a transphobic Harry Potter board game. (laughs) Um, Have you played the E.T. game? Yeah, I've played emulators yeah, of it. I got, it's yeah, like fucking a, like a terrible. Of it. It's the worst. Yeah, it's terrible. It's hilarious um, how bad it is. There's worse games, but it is. But fucking the story bad. of them being under the pressure to make that game in like nine minutes. Them being one person made yeah, that game. He's on, like on a computer. He, he keeps cutting to him, and he's like, "I didn't. I had fucking five days. It's fucking like a gun in his mouth. Forty years later, he's so distraught, dude. People hate him." Uh, he jumped in the hole right before they put the last thing of dirt down. Nice pull, dude. Fucking killed himself. 10 out of 10, E.T. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so is the legacy of E.T. So I did see the remastered version with all the special effects. Absolutely chilled me to the bone, even as a child, what they did to my boy. <laughs> they massacred my boy. <laughs> um, and um, w- we will talk about that. But before we get into that, let's... Uh, you know, do our jobs here and talk about from a critical perspective, from a 30 plus year old man perspective, from a uh, two Jews yeah. in a basement. If there's one t- perspective. thing people wanted was the opinion of adult white men on E.T. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, Dan Endin, person yeah. who has never seen E.T. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to give a non-spoiler review up front for what you thought of um, E.T.? non-spoiler review yeah i don't want anybody knowing whether or not et goes home okay that's fair (laughs) um (laughs) so when we started this movie uh she was like so what do you know about the plot of et and i was like i literally responded i was like fucking phone home elliot finger finger light up finger light up finger fucking uh bicycle past the moon you know divorced Divorce. And that was all I had. And she was like, all right, so you know nothing about E.T. That's pretty much all of it. And I, I mean, was like, <laughs> how much more is there? Well, I was very shook to discover that all of that. Oh, and I said Reese's Pieces also. Reese's Pieces. I, no, I was very shook to discover everything that I described, which I thought was the entirety of the movie E.T. Mm-hmm. It's like in the first five minutes. It's in the exact, up to the exact <laughs> midway point of the movie. Oh, God. And we paused it and I was like, what happens now? And she was like, get ready. And I was ready. Dude. Part two of E.T., in my opinion, is is the far weaker half. I uh, Maybe it interested you because you had never seen it, but part two of E.T. is not only really fucked up, but like, I feel like the gas ran out of the car pretty badly once E.T. becomes sick. It, it kind of... Hits a point for me on a rewatch where I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then E.T. just goes through a process of just slowly drying out and dying. (laughs) Um, Dan, as a a person who saw E.T. for the first time as an adult man, I I wasn't saying a word. I was just laying there on the couch, Mm -hmm. you know, cross-armed as I do when I watch movies, just chilling. (laughs) That I pick out. Drinking a whiskey. And was like, I, I literally said out loud, I was like, God help me if that fucking thing dies. 
I was so invested. I was like, <laughs> I was like emotionally distraught. Th- that is that is what they want. That's what old Spielberg wants from you, dude. I was like, if that fucking puppet dies, I'm gonna cry. Like I might actually cry. Oh, and it's brutal. It's, it's as sad as it could possibly be. Yeah, this uh, this was an incredible movie. Oh, uh, good. I loved it. That's awesome. How De- could you not? De- delightful. How could you? I mean, delightful defined yeah. is E.T. Dude, Drew Barrymore? Had, Un- unbelievable. Had no idea she was in this movie. Really? <laughs> I didn't know this is her first movie. Dude, I do not. I think, I think this was her first movie. That makes sense because she's five months old. <laughs> her... It's so... And she's the best performance in the movie. I implore you to, in terms of delightful things, look up interviews of Drew Barrymore as a teenager and then as a semi-adult recalling her experience making E.T. Because there's no more pure story than watching, like, Drew Barrymore basically... Her experience was that she thought that E.T. was an alien. She never once considered that this was like a fictional scenario. Like she lived the plot of E.T. Explains so many things about her. Yeah. Her mental state. Oh my God. But she like uh, there are scenes in E.T. I hope Spielberg apologized. We'll get into like how they made E.T. But there are are several different versions of E.T. And one of which had like a lot of wires coming out of his feet. And there are lines in the movie uh, where she'll say something and she's actually talking about the puppet that is E.T. And they would catch it on camera and use it in the movie. And she would get confused and upset when sad things would happen to E.T. Spielberg was constantly like having to apologize to her family for all sorts of stuff. One time she came to the set and was being like really antagonistic to everyone. And they found out later that she had a fever. And, like, Steven Spielberg had to, like, write a letter to the family and be like, I'm so sorry, I didn't understand, like, that Drew wasn't feeling well. One of the most mind-blowing things that I'll tell you up front is that when Steven Spielberg made this movie, he had no children. Um, which I think is insane and, and shows the power of Spielberg. That is, he is not like Kevin Smith in the way that, okay, Kevin Smith has kids, time to make a movie about kids. He is always the kid. He is never, like grown up Steven Spielberg and like even at this point in his career when he was probably like our age I think at this time he didn't have kids but there is no movie I don't think ever that captures what it is to be a kid better than E.T. in all of its subtle pockets and moments and things like that Um, I looked exactly like Elliot from E.T. <laughs> when I saw E.T. and I as well got lost in the idea of being in the movie E.T. myself and it just like I'll, I'll give you an example like the the moment uh, of E.T. for me that shows truly how powerful of a portrayal of childhood it is is very early on when E.T. has landed and Elliot is playing with E.T. in his room for the first time like he comes in and he sees E.T. and E.T.'s just like fucking terrifying and like standing in his bedroom just like Elliot and they're just like playing like little games with each other and then Elliot kind of just like stumbles back and falls asleep and then wakes up the next day and it's such a nothing moment when I was a kid I would have never thought anything of that moment but as an adult it's like wow they captured this idea that like even this fucking alien standing in this kid's room he's a little kid he falls asleep like He's got a bedtime. He's like 
tired. Yeah. He's he's a child. Like he plays with ET for a little bit and then just kind of like leans on a beanbag and goes to bed. And like when he wakes up, he's kind of unsure if ET was even real or a dream or not. And that is the kind of thing that like I don't know how they distilled those kinds of moments into a movie and it let alone a big blockbuster and something that was you know so commercialized. I mean it does have genuine moments in it that all these years later, I mean, yeah, I got choked up so many times over watching E.T. It's sad. Yeah. Like, bittersweet. It's incredibly sad. It was a good movie. Right. Like, when we're, like, I was just like, eh, I said something in passing, like, it's, uh, I I don't know, I'm never gonna be, like, pumped to watch a kid's movie. Sure. And she was like, well, it's like, it's more like a family movie, but it's a movie. And I was like, all right. It's very mature for a kid's movie. It's fucking, it's good, man. It's got a lot of adult themes in it yeah. and a lot of like fascinating views on, yeah, what it is to be a child. And and I think that what I also never noticed, even though in lore, which there is a lot of E.T. mythology in lore, <laughs> E.T. is 10 million years old, is the first interesting fact about E.T., a fictional shit. character. That's old. Um, he comes from a planet of like botanists. They go to planets and uh, look through, like, the flora and fauna, and, like, they're, like, collectors, sort of. That's why E.T.'s innards, like, when his heart glows, it almost looks like there's plants and paper and stuff inside of him. They did it on purpose because he himself is a plant. He's neither male nor female, E.T. He's 10 million years old, and yet... How progressive, dude. Right. And we'll get to that. That's actually quite interesting and part of a different web of ideas here. But um, it's just very interesting that there's another story in E.T. You have Elliot, who is a child, like, living in a wonder world. But then you have E.T., who also is a fish out of water and has his own story of, like, learning to talk, like, learning, um, you know, social cues from Elliot's brother and his friends and learning what Reese's Pieces are and, like, things that a child also so you get to see this like dual story of like childhood wonder kind of intersecting across like a 10 million year old being and a kid who i i would say is in like top three child performances for a big movie like elliot is such a strong kid performance and it just includes so many awesome things that it was to be a kid and and yell at your brother and call them penis breath and just like be a fucking dirty kid who like has star wars pajamas it's just such a such like a moment et for nostalgia in a bubble like in a nutshell snapshot um i i can't give et anything less than like a nine or a ten out of ten i don't see what is wrong with et other than some compositing issues throughout the where the backgrounds and the things being projected on them were all fucked up. I don't know what version of E.T. you saw. Um, I would assume it wasn't the one that had all the effects changed because now Spielberg, unlike Lucas, has turned around on that opinion. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the South Park episode. Um, yeah where they changed all the guns to walkie-talkies. So that is one of the major changes of the E.T. re-release. They went in and digitally changed the government people from holding guns to holding walkie-talkies in their hands. I did know that. No, what I watched, they all had guns. 
Okay, good. Perfect. I was pleased with the amount of gunplay in this. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I was like, I was like, is this motherfucker about to shoot a child in the face with a shotgun? Kinda. <laughs> and is that child C. Thomas Howell of Soul Man fame? Oh my God. Definitely. Um, um, yeah. Uh, they went in, they did that, and they also took out E.T. My man went from E.T. to Soul Man. <laughs> what a stretch. <laughs> Both two movies about weird little dark creatures. <laughs> invading a foreign environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you think I was going to hate this movie? So I thought you were going to hate this movie. <laughs> just like I thought you were going to hate Jurassic World and most of the other movies I've showed you. But then I started watching E.T. And I, I definitely was, hated Jurassic World. And then I started watching E.T. unlike Jurassic World, which I came in very honest about. Yeah. I was like, there are things about this movie I don't even like. Yeah. Um, and... Once you get about halfway through E.T., you're like, there's no human being on Earth, land or sea that could come up with a good argument for why this is a bad movie. And Dan would be really in a bad position if he hated E.T. I'm not sure what his argument would be. Some of the things haven't aged well, but then at the at the forefront of it, you have two of the most powerful things like in cinema history. One is the John Williams score, which is. In my mind, the quintessential John Williams it, score. It was so good. It is everything that is good about John Williams, all in a bubble, just rocketing on all cylinders Dude, the entire time. John Williams coming to Kimmel Center soon. Himself? Yeah. What's he doing? They're fucking doing movie scores. When's that? In the fall. Hmm. We should go to that. Yeah, I want to go to that. That sounds really cool. Dude, I want to say in the behind the orchestra shit, like I was telling you, so we could watch fucking John Williams conduct. Yeah, I'm going to need to do that, I think. That sounds so sick. That sounds awesome. Let's get tickets to that. Um, anyway. John Williams absolutely <laughs> slaying it in this movie. Yeah. And then the other thing that makes this movie infallible in my mind is the technical prowess and, and achievement on screen for E.T. himself. Yeah. Dude, real quick. Thank God John Williams hasn't been canceled for anything. I mean, yeah, he's made it really far. Can you but, imagine? But he's also so old. But can you imagine it comes out that like John Williams was Bill Cosby? If they me too'd him at this point, it would have the story would be like the last duel. That's how old he is. <laughs> he would be like a knight. He's the oldest man alive. <laughs> um oh, what if you found out that he was like diddling people now though? Just like a creepy, like has like an Epstein Island. Dude, that would Devastate me. I mean, E.T. audiobook, Michael Jackson, Dude, not a coincidence. Think how many movies would be fucking in an awkward spot streaming. Also, make sure to look up um, interviews with Michael Jackson, R.E., E.T. audiobook release. Very funny. I can't believe that's a thing. He's like, E.T. is just like me. It's so crazy. That, <laughs> Surrounded like, by people who want to hurt him. So crazy, like, what my image of Michael Jackson was yeah. as, like, a kid versus, like, now what I think, like... It's just what a what a what a fucking I mean heel turn. Well, yeah. If the heel turn is now, I can only picture the part in that documentary where the kid is like, he spread my anus with his fingers and gazed into it. Yeah. Et's just like me. Yeah. He likes to touch Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, quick break. Hardcore band that became like kind of a pop band that yeah. blew up that I love, uh, and. Dude, I was just like, I, can't, I was like, Nardwar is still a thing? Yeah. Dude, killing it. Had me in tears. He does it with, like, new rappers and shit all it, the time. That's his new thing. I, I've watched yeah. every video that he's released. He's like, in little Uzi Vert. Yeah. I got this squirt gun from when you were one years old. There was one, I forgot what rapper it is. He, like, fucking 
like corners them like while they're on their way to like their fucking tour bus or their oh, jet yeah. or something. He does it with Tyler Creator all the time. He sneaks up on him. <laughs> He's like, little Uzi Vert, I put your favorite squirt gun from when you were a kid in your chest cavity. Yeah. Did you see the Seth Rogen one? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think I saw that one. He's like, I have a book for you. Dude, he pulls out his fucking like middle school yearbook from Canada. <laughs> Seth, I have your mom's birth certificate. Um, <laughs> E.T. What a fucking weirdo, dude. What a fucking legend. Um, this movie, um, it's weird because it's kind of like a double dip for Close Encounters. I feel like he had. A- uh, yeah, dude. Are you kidding? Yeah. He like kind of already I, did. That this. was one of the other things I said out loud. Big Close Encounters energy. Yeah. With the ship, dude. It's kind of like, um, well, here's the thing. They What originally happened was is... Like, he, why was Richard Dreyfus not in this movie? Well, he hired a movie to do the... Uh, a writer to pen the opposite of Close Encounters for him. Because he wanted to do another Alien movie. That was just, like, Steven Spielberg's vibe, period. Was, like, talking about aliens and making movies about aliens. Not sure why, but that was, like, a cool thing at the time. And, um... Also, quick side note. I wish I was, he would do that again. I was watching. Because alien movies fucking sucked ass for a while. Mm-hmm. I, uh, no one cares about the Fablemans, my guy. I watched him or give an interview about War of the Worlds at one point where he was like, oh, well, you know, they're like, why are you doing this when, like, you've done, like, so many fucking movies about aliens? And he was like, oh, well, War of the Worlds is about 9-11, so it's different. <laughs> and I was, like, thinking about it. And then I went through this whole, like, brain process of scanning War of the Worlds for 9-11 stuff, and it just didn't make sense. Like, there was nothing there other than gray ash flying through the sky. My um, man's an auteur. Um, so, yeah, it, it, he hired a writer to make a movie as the antithesis to Close Encounters, and that movie was about, like, a family locked up in a farmhouse defending themselves from aliens. And he read it and was like, this is really fucked up and dark. I'm not making this movie. <laughs> and then went like 900 degrees in the other direction. Now, what is most interesting about E.T.? And this has happened, not most interesting about it, but from a production Steven Spielberg standpoint. There is something like insanely soft and feminine about E.T. that I would say in his other films you don't see as much of. Like whether it's literally the softness of the image of E.T., it's like literally like made to look soft around all of its edges and it seems like there's a feminine touch to E.T. that is not present in a lot of other like Spielberg movies. He surrounded himself with like a harem of women to make this movie. Everyone involved is a woman besides Spielberg. The writer, the editor. Um, was it Kathleen Kennedy? His partner in making the movie was Kathleen Kennedy and she was a tremendous help and researcher and I don't want to use the word influence but contributor to making this movie and we all know kind of where she ended up going and part of her being gifted Lucasfilm and becoming the head of Lucasfilm is part of this trajectory that E.T. really pushed forward for her. Um, I think she did all the Indiana Jones movies. She's Spielberg's like Sally Mank-esque like female contributor in all ways and then eventually just like an outright producer um and uh she sucks now and has ruined my life but other than than that um yeah Kathleen Kennedy really got shot into the stratosphere here heel turn um yeah she became very evil um speaking of uh people running from uh aliens in a cornfield 
you can really see from the one scene where E.T. is in a cornfield where they first where they first find him, where like M. Night Shyamalan got like the entire idea for science. Yeah. Because yeah. like there is a shot in this movie where they put a a, a shaky cam flashlight on E.T. in the cornfield for the first time, and he's like, ah! Dude, I laughed so many times at fucking out loud. Like I LOL at fucking shit coming out of E.T.'s mouth. E.T. Uh, his voice is a synthesis between many things. The main actress who played E.T. was a woman who smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> that was like... Hell like, yeah, queen. Yeah, they got her solely so she could be like, Elliot. That and it would sound... is amazing. Uh, natural. Um, the rest of the sounds that E.T. makes, which like there's a lot of like... When you see E.T. running around, he's like... <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like... <laughs> just, just, um, <laughs> just watching E.T. run had me laughing out loud, dude. Yeah. And and, and, and the music, there's like xylophones and shit. It's like... He's very wet, and he's weighted. He's weighted. Like, um, he has weight. Uh, when you see E.T., and this is what is so tragic about the remaster, because in the remaster they take ET out of the movie and they replace him with a digital ET. No, no way. And that's for about eighty-five percent of the shots. No, um, but it looks so good. I don't know. It looks incredible. But you have to understand the mindset at the time and the atmosphere in Hollywood is, oh, you know, CGI just came out. Time to show like all of the difficulties we had with our effects a better option and prove that this is the way and it was not the way um george lucas made the ultimate sin yeah again lucas and spielberg are like the yin and yang of hollywood mega productions and they both did this at the same time um this came out in 2002 as a re-release with all redone special effects that i think is after the star wars fuckery had happened in the 90s but um still influenced by that Honestly, and that idea. I will say that for the OG trilogy of Star Wars, most of the added effects are not unwelcome to me. Uh, I have love for some, but not all. Yeah. Some of the choices were good. Some were some flat of them out are insane. insane. Yeah. But, dude, um, I'll talk about it next episode, but I was watching a documentary bonus feature last night. Uh-huh. Where George Lucas was like, you know, it was one of those '90s artsy like film. I watched it. I watched the same one. Yeah. And it cuts to fucking George Lucas acting like he's an artist. George Lucas was like, "Um, me and Orson (laughs) Welles are pretty much best friends." (laughs) Dude, no, he basically like spends like five minutes like kindred spirits skirting around to like imply that like he had the idea for these shots like totally separate from Orson Welles, and it was like a great minds thing. (laughs) I know, that's what I'm saying. It's just, like, ridiculous. <laughs> Clearly, Orson Welles is so far superior, but... Um, and also, the movie happened fucking 40 years earlier. <laughs> right. Um, E.T. Um, they show him in so many interesting ways. Like, uh, like we were talking about, his running is really cool and very realistic and creepy. And, like, there is something borderline terrifying about E.T. Oh, um, yeah. That, I, do you, like, that is interesting. Is it, is it like all animatronics or is there like animation on top of it? There's no animation the, like, on top of subtle face movements that are happening? That like, is just, animatronics. That shit is crazy. They put so much work into 
E.T.'s face, but these are also... Was that paid for by Coca-Cola and all the brands no. that this movie was a commercial for? No. And the Reese's Pieces thing has an actually interesting genesis as well, um, uh, it, which didn't involve, like, somebody coming in and saying, you need to put Reese's Pieces <laughs> in the movie. Um, it was something... God, I'm trying to see in my notes. There's something about M&M's. Uh, oh, the filmmakers requested that M&M's be used to lure E.T. The Mars company denied the request, fe fearing that E.T. was so ugly that he would frighten children. Fair. Um, Reese's Pieces were used instead, and as a direct result, Reese's Pieces sales skyrocketed because of this. More and more companies began requesting their products be used in movies. Common practice, which was done previously with the James Bond film franchise. Uh, contrary to popular belief, this was not the birth of product placement. Um, this had been done before in Superman 1978, when a young Clark Kent gets up one morning and there's a box of Cheerios on the table next to his bed. Um, product love at first bite. A can of Tab Cola would be shown on a shelf of E.T.'s novelization store for... Oh, I'm trying to see what this... This is riveting radio. I'm trying to see if this is... Oh, so uh, I guess in the process between the novelization and the actual movie coming out, it was still M&M's. So okay. if you would like a cut of E.T. where it's M&M's instead of Reese's Pieces, you're going to have to read the junior novelization. And I will have to listen to the Michael Jackson audiobook to see if he's like, E.T. love Reese's Pieces. <laughs> he loved M&M's. Yeah, I'm just like E.T. We both like kids. There was a lot of products in this movie. And I was reading, it was like them being like, no, we were just trying to make it feel real by having real products. And I'm like, then why are you zooming in on a Coke can? Like, it's a fucking 70s psychedelic video. Um, to answer your previous question, most of the full-body puppetry... Now, there's multiple versions of E.T. Yeah, um, clearly. ...was performed by a two-foot... I assume there's foot, one that's just a head. Well, it gets pretty... Kind of fucked up here. Most of it was performed <laughs> by a two-foot, ten-inch uh, tall stuntman. In a, in a suit. Yeah. But the sense. scenes in the kitchen were done use, using a 12-year-old boy who was born without legs, but was an oh expert... Oh, my God. What? Yeah, but was an expert... You can't walking, say that phrase to me while I'm drinking water. But it, Tan. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being born. I'm just saying. It's a shocking... Th it's not where you expect a sentence to go. You're going to have to Casually. Go. <laughs> um, E.T. was sometimes... Uh, you know, a little dude running around, but then he was sometimes... Uh, now, when they say the kitchen scene, imagine there's the scenes where E.T. is, like, rocking back and forth kind of when he walks yeah. in the kitchen, like, when he's wearing a bathrobe. Um, and, and that's a legless child. That is a legless kid who is trained from a very early age to walk on his hands. So if you see that rocking motion, it's kind of like the back and forth rocking motion of R2-D2 when he's in the desert. Yeah. That is, yeah, somebody rocking on their hands with the weight of their body. Right. Um, which gives it such an unnatural alien uh, look to it. And and yeah, as it, a kid, he, you watch E.T. E. disgusting. As a kid, you watch E.T. and you're like, that is a real thing. Yeah. That is fucking real. And as an adult, you watch E.T. and you're like, wow, they went so far out of their way to try to make this as authentic as humanly possible. Was and this just the most expensive succeeded. movie ever? No. No, definitely not. I mean, Spielberg probably had already made more expensive movies. I don't think it was tremendously expensive because, like, what's interesting about E.T. as an adult and, like, someone who dissects movies is you watch it now and some of the biggest moments 
are some of the smallest effects. Like when I was a kid, shots like over the neighborhood at night with all the lights on, I was like, wow, amazing. Like what a way to just sum up a moment in time and like a neighborhood vibe from like, you know, yeah, this side era. note, do we know what the mom does for a living that she can afford that house on a single? It's like income? a $50 million mansion now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now you watch the movie and you see that those are all just matte paintings. Like there are so many matte paintings in E.T. that any shot of the forest at night or anything, all of these like amazing sweeping shots that kind of encapsulate E.T. were done with like really simple optical effects, like very cheap. I didn't even notice. Oh, that that's a matte painting? Oh, dude, the compositing is terrible. Like when they show the FBI agents looking for E.T. Oh, in the yeah, first yeah, yeah, scene, you yeah, can yeah. see that. Yeah. And the reason they have that bad outline is because that is a matte painting. What they should have done is shot it all in camera and had the matte painting itself, like they did in Star Wars, a lot of their optical effects in it. But instead they separated it into two plates and it's just... Again, like with a lot of movies from that era, the combination of those plates caused compositing issues that can't ever be fixed. And so what Steven Spielberg did for the remaster in 2002 was, okay, the kids are flying by the moon. Okay, the FBI is investigating the hill and the city looks like shit behind him. Change the matte painting in every scene where there's a matte painting to a digital matte painting, which looks like shit. Okay. Then take digital characters, fully digital characters, okay. and replace like... The FBI agents with digital characters. The kids biking across the moon through the sky, they replace all of them with fully digital kids. Fully di digitized matte paintings. It's it's really horrible. Like, I have it queued up on my computer. I'd rather just send it to you as a link, but, like, and I'm explaining most of it, but it sucks watching it side by side. It's wow. like, why the fuck would you do this to such a perfect movie? And what's at least thankful about Steven Spielberg, which is not the deal with George Lucas, who to this day... They go into Disney Plus's files of the Star Wars movies and change things. To this day, are still doing it. Um, Someone needs a job in this economy. Thankfully, our 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 Lord and Savior Spielberg came in and was like, "I made a big fucking mistake with this," and has pulled that version of the movie from DVD. You can't get it; it's not produced. It never made it to Blu-ray, and it's just a movie that has been buried. That they completely tried to hide kind of the existence of and i am down as fuck with that because do you think that's like a like an elephant in the room when spielberg and george lucas have dinner <sighs> i don't know but digital et sucks <laughs> he looks like a lizard it's really shitty they went in like the most personal up close shots of et and replaced him fully digitally um Pass. Another thing Hard that is pass. amazing about E.T. as a creature is his eyes. His eyes are, like, super realistic and expressive. Instead of having the people who make puppetry and animatronics make E.T.'s eyes, they went to the Eye Institute at the time in California of, like, doctors who make glass eyes for people who've lost their eyes and had them produce oversized glass eyes to go into E.T.'s sockets. And they look fucking really real and creepy and expressive and yes there is all that work around it going on his wrinkles on his head and everything but the eyes himself are uh, like themselves are really the powerful. eyes himself the eyes himself yeah no dude it was it was i was impressed as fuck i mean dude what a testament to a thing that like i'm seeing it for the first time as a 32 year old man without kids right and i fucking it was my favorite movie i've seen in ages well, that's amazing. 
You texted me many times that you were concerned about how wet E.T. was. Dude, he was so wet. It was just, it was disgusting. <laughs> Which made me think, like, um, made me think you weren't liking the movie. I was just shocked at how gross and wet the fucking thing. Like, in my head, I'm like, E.T., this is an iconic children's character. My friends had toys. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I've seen fucking cartoons. Like, he's an alien. Like, the motherfucker is, I thought he's cute. And they show him, and he's just drenched. He still is cute from time to time. From time to time, but sometimes it's just, oh, it's it's like the alien and alien. <laughs> just soaking, At times, yeah. Soaking wet, When dude. he stretches his big neck and out, that's, too. And that's how you can tell when he starts getting sick. I was like, oh, my God, look how slightly drier he is in this scene. Is he getting sick? Um, speaking of wetness, <laughs> Foley artist John Roche, again, for anyone listening, Foley is how you make a sound effect in a studio for something like E.T. that you know, is not real said that he used a wet t-shirt crammed with <laughs> jello to simulate the noise of E.T.'s walk. Dude, this is what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, it's disproportionately wet. E.T.'s disgusting, but like the E.T. is like, alien. They're hugging him, dude. And then they get up and they're not covered in just like wet alien goo. Come on. Come on. <laughs> That's what you should CGI in. Have you seen the Xfinity commercial? Do we talk about this? Xfinity commercial? No. Yeah. Well, so one, I don't. I haven't seen any commercials on cable. So during one of the Super Bowls a few years ago, and I also implore that anyone listening to this, if they haven't heard of it, looks this up as well. You yourself should see this. They got um, the actor who played Elliot and all um, the like people who are still around that could consult who had made ET to make a commercial in which. E.T. comes to visit Elliot grown up when Elliot has a family and children and spends like a weekend visiting Elliot and catching up with him about what his life had become and what E.T.'s life had become. It's so sweet. It's Can like, we watch that now? It's like two minutes long. It's literally like I get chills thinking about it because whole generations of people never got the sequel that A was promised immediately when E.T. came out. Spielberg was like, we are immediately doing the sequel. The treatment was there. There are storyboards that you can still see that exist. The plot was there, but never happened for a variety of reasons and none of which were controversial or anything. It's just timing and life and things like that for Steven Spielberg. I'd like to see an E.T. sequel. uh, The E.T. commercial is the closest that you can ever get to the sequel. It's super sweet and just perfection they put like 10 million dollars into building a new fully animatronic et for the commercial that has more articulation than the original one and is very well represented how Um, wet is he he's pretty dry that's the thing Mm, well that's the thing see they retcon this motherfucker they retcon et because when you think again when you said i think about et i don't realize how wet he is that's because what E.T. is as a movie, and this is very interesting, actually. What E.T. actually is as a movie, and then what the legend and the mythos and the idea of E.T. as a character has become in the years since is what's also interesting about E.T. Because there are kids that haven't sat and seen E.T., even in completion, that in their mind would probably be like, yeah, I've seen E.T. Like, of course, it's like it's like a, a childhood memory that, like, is so in, ingrained in some people that I feel like just the idea of E.T. is like, oh, yeah, he's the alien that, like, has the kid who is his friend. Yeah. And I can't think of really a movie with a score that better integrates with what is happening on camera. Yeah. It's childhood defined. Crazy. John, John Williams' E.T. score is just like you hear it. And imagine being someone like myself who was listening to that as a cassette tape as a little kid again and again and again and again and again. And, like, when I hear it and I'm watching it now, it's like... 
nostalgia being fucking pumped into my goddamn cerebral cortex. And again, like you don't see around you with all of the stuff in the studio, like a toy of E.T. or anything. It's not like like my favorite. Why? You have fucking all these Godzilla toys, not one E.T., Dan. It's pathetic. Where is there a Godzilla toy? Right here. That's Gamera. What is Gamera? Gamera is a rated R trilogy of really okay. cool monster movies okay. from Japan in the 1990s. All right. Where's E.T. at, dog? E.T.'s not down here because, like, I just, you know, E.T. is just like, it. E.T. doesn't belong to what me. What is this? Batman Beyond Batman? Yeah. Dude, Batman Beyond stings. What? Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that here. Yeah. Don't be like that here. Gabbage. Gabbage? Gabbage. Uh, my next choice is E is <laughs> Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. No, um, I've seen all of that. Fuck you. Um, E.T., beautiful experience. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Give an E.T. a 9 out of 10? I feel like, is it a 10? The problem is, and this has always been my problem with E.T., there are other Spielberg joints that I like more than E.T. Like and what? if I give it a 10, then I'm kind of like classing those out a little bit. What's... I mean, for, for me, I Jurassic resonate more with Close Encounters than E.T. Close Encounters, I have a very close, integral, mental relationship with that I never had with E.T. Like, I saw them probably both around at the same time. And the ideas... Here's my problem with E.T., the ideas being thrown around in Close Encounters and many other sci-fi movies are what I'm drawn to, not so yeah, much the movie. I mean, they're a very different kind of E.T., the centerpiece is a kid's relationship with an alien and their experience together. And that is beautiful, but is not my cup of tea for science fiction films. Right. And for Spielberg films, yeah, there are a few that I do prefer slightly more than E.T. Polar Express. Polar Express was a Robert Zemeckis movie. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to say, what have we given, like, nines and tens? Barry let's, Lyndon. Let's take a look. So, like, Barry Lyndon, I gave a nine, right? Or did I give it a ten? I don't know. Let's see. You gave it a ten. Yeah, I mean, E.T., Barry Lyndon, duets, I gave a ten. Yeah, fair. So, <laughs> Last Temptation of Christ, I gave an eight. Simone, I rated higher than Christ. That's a lot. Face That's off, nine point five. You gave, yeah, you uh, gave face face off a nine point five. But 8. I mean, 9. that's a, you know, that should be a ten in some worlds. You gave Salo a ten. Holy fuck! You gave Be My Cat an eight point five. That was a one of the best found footage movies of my lifetime. Climax eight point seven five. That's too high. I should have given that an eight. Climax? What is Climax? The Gaspar No joint. The the rave movie? The rave movie, yeah. Okay. Um, I I'll give, I hated that movie. Oh, you did. I'll exhausting. give ETA 9.5. Oh, damn. Wow. What are you going to give the seminal masterpiece that is ET, the extraterrestrial? On a scale of 1 to 10, golden guns replaced with walkie-talkies. <laughs> um, I'm going to give... E.T. a 9.4. Nice, nice. Now, where did the point four c come from? You want to... Did that just happen? No, I... Uh, the the product placement irritated me, and the home stretch of the movie is a little um, deflating from the rest of it in terms of, like, like 
energy. I also feel like E.T. just dies, but then he just wakes up. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm going to be honest, there's a fair amount of the movie that I just kind of didn't understand and it required a lot of suspension of disbelief, but that's fine because it was just delightful. (sighs) There's also... Like, I was like, I want to have kids so that I can show them this movie Hmm. and not want to fucking kill myself at all the other movies they're watching because, God help me, it's going to be Speed Racer and this. There's a weird heel turn in this movie where they make it seem like the government are kind of not so bad and that's i uh, i think a part that i don't appreciate yeah there was some of it but there was enough fuck the police to fucking easily balance it out where i was like hell yeah get him spielberg um further interesting facts first amblin studios film ever and this was also before duh the amblin logo where elliot and et are flying so i don't know what the logo was that ran with this movie itself but this is in fact the first amblin movie ever and is there anything more Amblin than E.T. I mean, E.T. is... No. If E.T. was never made, like, Stranger Things is not a show that would exist. It would not exist. Yeah, for sure. And also, seeing that kid purely as the dad from Hill House... Right. ...and, like, uh, Doctor Sleep, that was Mm -hmm. a fun experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Side note, we haven't done this in a while of, like, what would fix a movie, you know? Boobs. And for... If E.T. had big (laughs) boobs. Figured out. E.T. and the, in dude, also E.T. and drag, fucking. So progressive. Yeah, and they're going to. And as a kid. They're trying to ban drag shows. And Steven Spielberg was fucking training him young. When you watch E.T., he's so fucking alien that, like, when he's in drag, like, as a kid, I didn't think, like, oh, he's in drag. I was like, E.T. literally doesn't know what any of this means. Yeah. Like, E.T. is wearing a flop hat like he's at a fucking tea party. The speed at which E.T. drops, like, being terrified to, like, yeah, we're just fucking boys in it. Awesome. Um, But I, uh, no, so to fix Dr. Sleep on the side, um, instead of the kid from E.T., as cosplaying as Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. E.T. himself. With how meta Dr. Sleep was already, it should have been fucking Christian Slater, dude. Hmm. I think any time that you're making like a sequel, a, a requel, a reboot of anything with Jack Nicholson in it, it should be always Christian This Slater. is what I'm saying. That's like a huge missed opportunity any time that happens. Dude. And and I thought Henry Thomas was did a good impression of Jack. Yeah, but Christian but Slater was is, so distracting. is that guy. Yeah, why not just use him? Dude, I will watch it's anything so with stupid. Christian Slater in it just because his cadence of speaking is so fucking soothing to me. I think you should have put E.T. in. <laughs> that would have been fucking sick. I'm going to bash your brains in. <laughs> right the fuck in. Uh, um, cool, yeah. Cool. E- I can't believe you thought I was going to hate this movie. Dan. What is there to hate about it? I don't know. That's a good fucking question. That's the purpose of our podcast. Our podcast should probably be called What Is There to Hate About It? Because literally I don't see what you dislike about some of the things that I've shown you and vice versa. And that's what we do, baby. Go fuck yourself, all right? Have you watched the- uh, That's the, my new phrase. I feel it. I'm feeling it. Remember that? Yeah. Have you uh, Have you watched The Fablemans? No. Cool. Same. I think Spielberg has been terrible for the past like ten to fifteen years. I have no interest in watching West Side Story, Fablemans, yeah, The Post. Um, I'm just like, dude, West Side dude, Story. Dude, make a movie with fucking aliens in it. I watched OG West Side Story. Recently. I'm over it. Why would Why would you remake? Why would West you Side remake Story? West Side Story? It's perfection. Yeah, the score is so crazy. It's so good. 
I can't believe he made that movie. I don't know what he's up to. Yeah, Fableman's looks like Jewish once upon a time in Hollywood. He said in a recent interview that Fableman's is it for him about making these like autobiographical-ish movies and he wants to go back to spectacle cinema. We'll see. Because like, look at what uh, Scorsese does. Scorsese's like, I'm going to play the hits, but like I'm the best director in the world. So like, even when I'm playing the hits, it's pretty cool. That's what Spielberg was doing late 90s, early 2000s, Minority Report. Movies like Minority Report and War of the Worlds are not quintessential Spielberg, like, top five. No, but Minority Report's fucking sick. But they're him just being the best think director. I kind of a piece of shit. It is. I don't like War of the Worlds. And it's just him throwing money at um, ideas that, you know, anybody could be writing him scripts right now. Shyamalan, anybody could be like, because these are all guys that want to emulate Spielberg. J.J. Yeah. Abrams. So have J.J. Abrams write a movie and have you directed about fucking a giant snake. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like you're Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Like you, the people you surrounded yourself with, like George Lucas did, are the best at their craft in the world. But unlike George Lucas, you're willing to make movies. So why are you making a movie about Meryl Streep working in a fucking newspaper? Yeah. I don't care about that. Yeah. Why are you making a movie about, oh, my parents got divorced. Every movie you made is about that. Yeah. And, it's not necessary. And like we have such a plethora of movies about that by younger people closer to their so parents. Yeah, getting I'm divorced. just mad at him. Can he start phoning did it he, in again? Did he make uh Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. What I didn't it? want that either. <laughs> that I wanted that done with. That's like something Scorsese should have done. That movie's like middling as fuck. Yeah. Because <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's in it. And the man is all seldom almost made less than three good movies in his entire career. Uh, anyway titanic dude everyone watch the revenant dude titanic have you seen the revenant that's leo in the snow yeah yeah badass movie. yeah yeah tom hardy yeah he's all like bane yeah all right well um next week on the movie blues podcast we are going to be reviewing an equally famous movie Touch of Evil. Yeah. With Orson Welles. <laughs> starring Orson Welles. We're classing it up around this joint. Uh, so skip Dude, that. E.T. E e Touch of Evil has to be the most tasteful fucking one-two punch of shows we've ever done. And then we're heading on to Deadly Friend. And then... um and finales. Halloween ends to finish it off. Too hard. Too spooky Too hard. Boys. Too spooky boys. Wow. Um, and Halloween's coming in May, baby. That? I think that's that's it. That's a tight ad. Yeah. Michael Jackson would have liked that one because that one was tight. Hate that joke. Go fuck yourself then, aight? Out of the night sky, a ship was descending. The hull glowing with soft light, as if a piece of the moon had fallen. The hatch opened and the crew came out. Odd little beings. Moving quietly through the leaves. Gathering. Gathering. A blackberry bush. A rose. A tiny cedar tree. When suddenly, man came. beings was cut off, trapped in the trees, separated from his ship. He ran as fast as 
his short legs will carry him. His chest glowing red, a signal to the crew that he needed help. His ship was ahead, glowing through the branches. He stumbled towards it, but the hatch was closing and the crew was leaving. The ship lifted off, like the moon slowly rising, then soared away, a comet swallowed by the night. Creature's heart light faded. He was alone. Three million light years from home. The lights of the city twinkled in the valley below the little being. The friendliest light was coming from a kitchen window at a boy named Elliot's house. The big guys playing inside made Elliot wait out front for their pizza delivery. Out back, the creature crawled into the yard and hid in a pool shed. Harvey? Harvey, is that you, boy? Elliot, looking for his dog in the backyard, heard strange noises coming from the pool shed. He picked up his baseball and he threw it in. Whatever was in there whipped it right back. asleep that night with all kinds of strange dreams in his head and the squashy little guy from outer space came creeping back into the garden as quietly as he could but those funny feet of his tripped him up in a garbage can Elliot heard it and came running out he chased whatever it was behind the house. But he wasn't sure that he really wanted to catch up. Suddenly it stopped and turned. Next day, Elliot went into the woods. He laid a trail of little candies, one piece after another, and then went back home. E.T. crawled from the bushes. We all know curiosity killed the cat, but he was too old to change now. He put the little round object in his mouth.
<laughs> it was delicious. The tastiest thing he'd ever eaten in the whole universe. Maybe it was an iguana. It was no iguana. Maybe a, uh, you know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. All we're trying to say is maybe you just probably imagined it. I couldn't have imagined it. Elliot had a hunch that this might be the night. So he waited outside in an old chair. And sure enough, this strange creature appeared. Someone from another world. Elliot's heart almost stopped. Michael. Michael. E.T. was just as scared as Elliot. But he had to hang in there. After all, he had to eat. He had to live. So he followed Elliot with the candy into the house and up the stairs. Wow. The two friends found each other across a and universes and fell asleep next day share the greatest secret in the world. Now, the, swear it, the most excellent promise you can make. Swear as my only brother on our lives. Don't get so heavy, I swear. And, um, close your eyes. Okay, they're closed. Okay, um, swear it one more time. I have absolute, have absolute power. Yes. <laughs> what he saw blew his mind. But Elliot was hoping that his little sister would handle the situation better. <laughs> and what do you do with something as wild as this weird squashy little guy with a head shaped like an eggplant? <laughs> I'm keeping him. But some other people are looking for E.T. also. Tall shadows with flashlights, 
keys and heavy shoes. And they want to keep them, too. Meanwhile, Elliot, Michael, and Gertie brought their new friend the potted flower as a gift. We are here. Where are you from? I don't like his feet. Only feet, you little twerp. He's trying to tell us something. his finger. E.T.'s magical powers raised five balls up into the air and floated them there above everybody's head. Elliot. Then <laughs> E.T. quietly retired in the closet with his flower pot, leaving Elliot, Michael, and Gertie I go off to school. How do you explain school to higher intelligence? Hey, Elliot. Hey, Elliot. Where's your goblin? Shut up. Did he come back? Well, did he? Yeah, he came back. But he's not a goblin. He's a spaceman. He was from the other side of the universe. But he'd figured out how to open Elliot's refrigerator. And he found a can of something that looked pretty good. Beer. To him, it seemed... Perfectly harmless. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side of town, in Elliot's biology class, the actual frog dissection, and you will find many similarities. Elliot found one. The frog reminded him of E.T. And all the frogs got out of there. Out the window, out the door, and down the road. At home, E.P. found a newspaper, and the comic strip really caught his eye. There it was. A spaceman had built a communicator to phone home. And Gertie came home to watch her favorite TV show when something amazing happened. It's a bee. Good. Good. And that wasn't all he learned to say. When Elliot came home, E.T. had a surprise for him. I taught him how to talk now. He can talk now. E.T., can you say that? Can you say E.T.? E.T. 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 And he had one more thing to say. Something very, very important. Something that the whole world would someday soon remember. God, he's talking. Oh. Is T phone home? Phone home. But some people were listening in on their own phone. Now I wish I would have listened in science.
E.P. built his own communicator out of the fuzz buster, some bobby pins, a knife and fork, and the UHF tuner from the TV set. Oh, Elliot. He doesn't look too good anymore. Don't say that. We're fine. While Mom was reading Gertie a bedtime story, Elliot cut his finger on a mean-looking saw blade. Ouch! It was poison. Ouch! to save my life. Ouch. E.T.'s finger lit up, just like his heart, and a mysterious light healed Elliot's cut. Do you believe in very sacred? Do you believe? I do, I do. If you believe, clap your hands. Halloween night. Elliot and Michael dressed E.T. in a sheet, Ready? like a ghost. Ready. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And they took him out on the street. And guess who he saw? A familiar friend from a galaxy far away. Boom. 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 Be back one hour after sunset, no later. I'll try as fast as I can, Mike. Elliot rode to the forest with E.T. in the basket of his bicycle. E.T. thought the ride was too slow and bouncy. It's too bumpy. I'll have to walk from here. So he raised that magic finger of his and gave them a lift. Not so high! Not so high! The bike soared into the air over the treetops, high as the birds can fly, and higher! set up his communicator and pointed it at the stars. His strange signal beamed itself out into that place in the sky where night is forever. It is working! Oh. had returned E.T.'s phone call to the stars. Back at Elliot's house, the net was closing in. Science had discovered his hideout in the closet upstairs. That night, 
Elliot and his friends slept in the forest. At dawn, when he woke up, E.P. was gone. Elliot, sick with fever, returned home for help. down in a stream, his body gray all over, gray as ash. Michael gently carried E.P. back to the safety of their home. They snuck him upstairs and laid him down on the bathroom floor. Now was the time to tell Mom. Mom, would you come with me? What is it? Mary, just come with me. Michael, what? Mom, remember the goblin? Michael, what are you talking about? Just swear, the most excellent promise you can make. Michael. She couldn't believe what she saw. That's terrific. Her hand went limp. The coffee spilled from her cup. protective spacesuits. The military, the government, scientists and doctors invaded Elliot's house. They had zeroed in on E.P. and turned the place into a laboratory and a hospital. A huge plastic envelope came down, covering the entire house. And medical teams moved in on the little guy. to manipulate its own environment. Smart. He communicates through Elliot. Elliot thinks it's thoughts. No, Elliot. Elliot feels his feelings. They hooked him up to all kinds of machines, but he was fading like a star at morning.
that E.T. was going where no one could follow. His starfire was out, and he was as cold as the moon. Preacher's pressure is bottoming out. His complexes are slow and widening. All right, I'm calling. What time is it? E.T. was gone. 15 hours, 36 minutes. Okay. Let's pack him in ice. So they placed E.T. in a coffin of ice, but left Elliot alone with him. Because Elliot was the one he'd come to across the great ocean of time. E.T.'s wilted flower was moving. A light opened up in E.T.'s heart, growing brighter and brighter, <laughs> from orange to yellow to white. E.T.'s on home. The little guy was all worked up, and Elliot had to shut him up so no one would know he was alive. Elliot, why don't you come with me? No! 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 And Elliot turned on the tears and faked them all out. <laughs> Would you like the flower? Michael and Elliot had a plan. The scientists put E.T. into a medical van. They didn't even notice it when the guys snuck aboard. Open the door, son. There's a guy out here. What do I do? Well, what are you waiting for? Let's go! I've never driven forward before! Michael screamed to his friends! Get the bikes! Meet us at the playground at the top of the hill! Let's do it! So they did it! They stole E.T. out from under everybody's nose and carried him off on their bikes. E.T. was riding in Elliot's basket, bouncing up and down again, with the world at their heels. But Elliot and his partners could ride. The police chased them through the streets, but the kids knew the alleys. This is you on 302. We've cut the kids off. Let's split up. We made it! That's what they thought. In came the roadblock. Cars and men. Police and guns. The net closed once more. E.T. and his friends had run out of time. Whoa. Whoa. And up they went! 
E.T. and his pals, up over the roadblock, up into the sky, wheeling over the rooftops, sailing over the valleys, higher, flying in the sky, E.T. and his pals. ancient spaceship coming slowly down and it was time to say goodbye there's no goodbye His home was far beyond the Milky Way, out past the farthest star we see, where only the great ships of space can roam. Would they ever see him again? Where would he be? Joy filled the air as they watched E.T. approach the ship that would take him home. The hatch was open. The crew was waiting. E.T. looked at his friends one last time, picked up his flower pot, Walked into the ship. The hatch closed. The ship lifted off. Up into the sky. 
trailing a rainbow. E.T.'s rainbow. Look for it. Look for it. Look. Check one, two. Uh, hi, um, this is uh, Dan Lyons, DS Lyons uh, on Facebook. Um, if you've made it this far into the episode, uh, congratulations. You are the fucking best. You just listened to like a 38 minute play uh, of E.T. by Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones, uh, Grammy Award winning and... Um, just wanted to thank you. Thank you so much, uh, from the bottom of, of our hearts. And what can I tell you that's special for reaching this point? Maybe that the sequel season is next season, but then secretly we're planning on doing an all Nicolas Cage season, uh, the season after that. So there's a little tip there. there <clears throat> sorry, I just had bronchitis. There's a little tidbit for you to chew on. Super fan. Amanda, is that you? Um... Mike Pierre, are you there? Uh, okay, bye.